Hello, we are Restoration Church Chicago and welcome to our podcast. You can connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. Our mission is to glorify Jesus everywhere, and that includes right here, right now. Thanks for tuning in. So I'm going to have the slides behind me. I will be using the NIV translations. Feel free to use any translation that you have, as long as you have one. And and read along with us. So just to catch everybody up to date, uh, Jesus is in the process. This is a continuation of his defense, uh, or his uh, answering the charge or the accusations of the Jewish leaders that um, Jesus was breaking the law on the Sabbath. That's number one. And number two, Jesus was claiming that he was equal to God because he was claiming that he was the son of God, and they did not agree with that. So let's read through this uh, passage, and it's a little bit chunky. So let's read through this, and then we'll try to go a little bit deeper into uh, uh, the, each of these verses. So verse 31, if I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. So he's saying that you will think that it is not true. There is another who testifies in my favor, and I know that his testimony about me is true. You have sent to John. He has testified to the truth, not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it that you may be saved. John was a lamp that burned and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. I have testimony weightier than that of John, for the works that the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I am doing, testify that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard of his voice, nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you. For you do not believe the one he sent. That's pretty harsh. He was speaking to the Jewish leaders, the the, the religious teachers. That was pretty harsh. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testified about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Just so you know, I want to take most of the time this morning to touch on just specific these verses right here because Jesus somehow just, it seemed like he, instead of defending himself, it's almost as if he turned the table and flipped it back and, and making the accusations or making the charge against them to say, you say that you're the teacher. You say that you know, you, know, you know the law. However, you do not hear him. You do not know his form. His word does not dwell in you. You study scripture diligently, but you don't know anything. Well, I'm paraphrasing. But anyway, we can talk more about that. So let's go to uh, continue with verse 41. I do not accept glory from human beings but I know you, as in the religious leaders at the time, these, the, the people that he's speaking to specifically right now. I know that you do not have the love of God in your heart. Wow. How would you like to hear that? If you were talking to someone about Jesus, and then suddenly he said, you do not have the love of God within you. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not accept me. But if someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. 
How can you believe since you accept glory from one another, but do not seek the glory that comes from the only God? But do not think I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses, on whom your hopes are set. If you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I have to say? It was, Jesus was very emphatic. Did I say that correctly? Emphatic in his defense to the accusations. It was so good. If, if you've been following along with us, so they, may, they will make an accusation to Jesus and he was defending, he was answering the charges. And then at the end, he turned the table back on them. It was so good as I was reading through these passages and I felt like I want to add something more to it because like after saying this, Jesus dropped the mic and just exit stage left. You guys ever hear that? You guys ever hear someone did so well they just dropped the mic down because that was the end. There's no more. That's what I felt like. That's so good. That was so good in this passage. So let's go through this passage together, starting with verse 31. Because Jesus was still answering, right? Because they want to know, what, what authority do you have? And we went through that last week. So he was still answering them. He was explaining to them what authority he came in, in the name of the Father. And he was, um, and he was saying that, if I give testimony about myself, if I testify to myself, you wouldn't believe me. So in, in verse 33, he was referring back to uh, John 1, verse 23, when he said, you, sent, you were sent to John, when the Pharisees were sent to John to question John about who are you? Are you the Messiah? But John told them, no, he was only preparing the way for the Messiah. So Jesus was reminding them, you were sent to John, asking John who he was asking if John was the Messiah. And John said, no, the Messiah is the one that is coming after me. And then in verse 33, Jesus point out, pointed out that the Jewish leaders accepted John's testimony in terms of he was the one that was calling out and, and his calling as a prophet, so to speak. So they chose to believe, right? Jesus used that term. They chose to believe John the Baptist because John was proclaiming the kingdom of God the kingdom of God is at hand. And John the Baptist was claiming that I'm preparing the way and Jesus, the Messiah, is coming. They were okay with this, this, this preaching from John, and they went along with it because it was similar to what they were thinking, similar to the teaching that they were been teaching. But little did they know John meant the kingdom of God is at hand, as in it's here, right now, not in the distant future. And, and, uh, and the Savior is coming which is also something that they've been teaching because they've been teaching that for hundreds of years, right? They've been hearing that for hundreds of years and they say, okay, that's what I've been teaching, so okay. They were okay with it and they chose to believe it as long as the small print remained the same, which is, I'm still the religious leader. I still have the authority. I can still tell people what to do and you should listen to me. I will still be in control and I will still be in charge. So they didn't realize when, what, what John meant when he said the kingdom of God is at hand, as in, step aside, buddy. The king is coming. The kingdom of God was already here, and the savior, he was among them, and that is Jesus. So they could not accept Jesus as the one who, was, who, who came after me when John said, the one who came after me, that's him. They were thinking he was speaking figuratively. And Jesus is right here, and he's coming. So to them, the Savior, right, the Savior, Jesus, the Savior will come in all the, um, 
the glamour of the military might that would conquer all the other nations. This is understandable. If, if we know the history of the Israelites, it's completely understandable uh, in terms of their history was filled with rulers. Rulers who went on military campaigns to claim the, the promised land like Joshua and military um, uh, leaders who went on military campaigns to, to conquer other nations like the judges and uh, David, just to use uh, someone as an example. It definitely cannot be a carpenter, as in Jesus, right? Jesus as a carpenter, as a servant, turned their universe completely upside down, so they could not accept it. They wouldn't accept it. So how can a servant possibly conquer every nation through the love, through love by the Spirit of God? That's just ridiculous, right? Because in the past, you, you prove your power, your might by your strategy, you go and you kill people, you capture them. So how can you conquer nations through love by the Spirit of God? That just doesn't make sense. It still doesn't make sense right now for most of us. So Jesus went on to say that he has testimony that is weightier than that of John in verse 36. And his testimony came from God the Father. So God the Father spoke about Jesus as the Messiah, which they have known about for hundreds of years, right? Because they've been studying scripture diligently. So they have, have they've been learned about him. They've been preparing themselves for the Savior to come. They just didn't have the revelation of how it would be and how it would happen. So if we go to um, verse 30, uh, 39, when Jesus said, they study scripture diligently, as in, you know, we know what diligently means, right? It's search intently, right, to endlessly or with great effort. Just, just some, you know, to use an example, someone that diligently, someone that we know, like Toby, right? When Toby, Toby's competing, uh, well, I don't want to say bodybuilding, but he's, he's competing diligently, right? He's diligently preparing himself, preparing his meal, eating the same thing day over and over and over, like intently. So he's focused, he's committed. That's what they were. They were studying scripture diligently with great effort. However, the crucial missing ingredient was what? The love of God. You did not have the love of God in you when you're studying the scripture because not to use the same illustration, but Toby, he does this, I've talked to Toby, because he loves it. He loves working out. He loves doing this. He doesn't do it just so he can stand on the stage, because he loves preparing. He loves just the thought of working out. I, actually, I don't even know why I use that, Toby. Let's, let's put Toby aside. We're talking about God here. Uh, I'm, I apologize. I don't know why I brought Toby up. I was trying to use an illustration. So the mission ingredient was the love of God, and the love of God was not in them. That was the reason for why, since when, when someone doesn't have the love of God, they could never hear his voice or see his form, and his word does not dwell within them. So Jesus was making a charge that even though you study diligently, but without the love of God, it just means nothing. Because without the love of God, it does not produce faith. And without faith, we will never find eternal life. And that's where Jesus is. He was standing right there in front of them. And this is because they thought that they would have eternal life just by studying scriptures. They thought that if I just spend more time, dig deep into scriptures, then if I find eternal life, that will be through my own effort. Right? I'm the one who found eternal life because I studied so hard. You couldn't find it because you didn't study as hard as me. You couldn't find eternal life versus me because 
I can find it on my own. So if I look hard enough, I will find the answer for myself. Through their own effort, as, as Jesus said, through searching diligently, this would give them the satisfaction, right? A, a sense of self-righteousness, of taking the credit for finding eternal life in scriptures. So it's the same thing as, as studying and enforcing the law will not bring eternal life. And that's what Jesus was trying to get to them. You study the law, you enforce the law, but there's no life. Life does not come from it. The letter of the law will never bring life. We know that, right? It's from 2 Corinthians 3.6. The letter of the law will always lead to death. The spirit of the living God brings life. And you need to have the love of God. So it's similar to what people are trying to do right now in the present. So instead of looking to Jesus for eternal life, some of us people are still looking to medical advancement in search to uh, prolong life. Right? They're taking pride in our own technical, technological advancement, perhaps in our own knowledge, in our own reasoning, in our own understanding. It's like, well, if I um, do this, if I eat like that, if I exercise like that, I will live until I'm 150. Or if I freeze my, I don't know, stem cell and then reuse it, re-inject it to myself, I will live longer. So science and technology have advanced a great deal. However, now they're beginning to look into how to prolong life. If we do a Google search or search anywhere on how to prolong life, you probably would see hundreds of articles from many scientific um, publications on how to prolong life. There's so many studies out there. We're still searching for a way to eternal life. And then, but we don't realize that Jesus is the one that brings eternal life. He's always around us, but we will not look to him. So I want to use a several illustrations of, of how this passage from verse 37 to 40, how it's still applicable even within the church today. Um, the, the reason I want us to spend a little bit more time in this passage because I felt very challenged as I was studying and reading this passage because we, we can study, we can read all the commentaries that we, that we want if the love of God is not within the scriptures. It's all for nothing. Because I, and I hope you guys are the same, I don't want to hear the, the charge from Jesus to say, you spent all your time, you get your undergrad degree, you get your master degree, you get your PhD in theology, and you still don't know me. We don't want to get to that point. So, so this passage is, 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 is deep, and we need to really catch the meaning behind it. And some of, some of the things that's going on today is still very applicable within the church, as I said. An example is going to church to make us feel good or going to church to be entertained versus going to church to experience more of Jesus, to, to experience more of his presence. Well, if we go to church to make us feel good or to be entertained, then it's the same thing as, well, I did whatever I want throughout the week, so now on Sunday I'm going to go and hopefully everything will be forgiven so I can go back to do whatever I want. Versus when we go to church to be refreshed by God, to, to experience more of Jesus, we will be refreshed by God be refreshed by being in his presence so we can approach the rest of the week with the security and the confidence and the understanding that I am a son or a daughter of God, that he is who my security and my identity will rest in. The, another illustration would be like if, if we study scripture and we learn scripture so we can tell other people how to act, 
You guys ever hear that? You guys ever hear people throwing scriptures at you? I have. Uh, I'm sure we all have. I'm just saying that as an example. So learning scriptures to tell people how to act versus reading scriptures to have a greater revelation of Jesus. That's the illustration also that applies to this passage. Is we want to read scripture to know who are you, Jesus? I want to know you more versus studying it so then um, for me, as a husband, go tell Vanessa, well, Vanessa, you're the wife, and this is what Scripture said, so let's do it. Versus, oh, this is what it's saying about a husband. I better live this out. This is how I am to live. So it's, it's the same thing as we using Scripture as a speaker or as a mirror to reflect upon who we are and how we can grow and learn and understand that Jesus wants us to grow and mature in to an image of more of who he is. Okay, hopefully that was not too challenging for everybody. And that, that's, that's another thing for us to learn scripture is so then we can have more of Jesus and less of ourselves. You hear that verses a lot, but that's what it means. That's why we study scripture so we can experience more of his life. Understand the love of God. Understand how much he loves us so we can learn to love him and understand what he has done for us. And maybe a last illustration that, that would apply to this uh, passage is Jesus is trying to tell them, don't live strictly by the law. Don't be so legalistic. Don't be so um, uh, self-righteous because you know so much than everyone else. I mean, we do want to, to, to uh, read the Bible, practice what we've learned, and live out according to the Bible through, as an example I say earlier, just teaching our kids about scripture. However, don't live so strictly by the law that you miss the love of God, the love that God has for us. Living by the law versus living according to the leading of the Holy Spirit and his revelation through scripture. That's what we need to live with. Always catch the heart behind of what God is trying to teach us and what he's trying to tell us. We do need to know scripture. We do. That's why we're going through the book of John. But we need to always catch the heart behind it. Right? Because if we, if we go strictly by the law and just read what Scripture is telling us, that means we are just puffing up our own self-knowledge. Right? And in a way, we're looking for status. I know Scripture so much better than everyone else. We're looking for recognitions. That's what the re religious leaders were looking for and asking for and were expecting. Right? They couldn't expect Jesus because, wait a minute, you suddenly are here and you're higher than me. That's not okay. That's unacceptable. The people need to look to me versus look to Jesus. They were looking for respect from the people versus Jesus, the Son of God is here. Praise him. Because if we read scripture from the standpoint of understanding and love with the love for God, we will want to live to please Jesus. We will want to live differently. We will want to live for Jesus, because once we have a revelation of who he is, he is the almighty God, the all-provider, someone who gave his life on the cross for each and every one of us. That really changed our perspective. That's how we want to live. That's how we want to read scripture, because otherwise, we don't want to be the people that read scripture and you're not, being, not able to hear his voice or not have his word dwells within us. That's what Jesus was making the accusations. So verse 39 is a reminder for us to read the Bible with the love of God. And also with faith that Jesus came on the cross and died for us. 
faith and revelation that the Word became flesh, right? Jesus became flesh. That's what happened. He became flesh, and he walked among us, and he was teaching us. And that flesh brought us eternal life through his death on the cross. It is a reminder that through our love for God and our faith in Jesus, when we have faith in Jesus, his word dwells within us. Isn't that awesome? That's all you have to do. We don't have to suddenly cut our hairs and, you know, I would like to get some tattoo. If you have some tattoo, it doesn't mean you have to take your tattoos off, uh, tattoos off. Or suddenly you have to dress a certain way. Just accept Jesus and his word will dwells within us. And because the word dwells within us, the spirit of God and the life of God will spring up within us, will fill us up, that it will well up within us when we read scriptures and then we realize that, oh, this is who you are, Jesus. You're not telling me what I need to do. This is what I should do because I love you, Jesus, because of my obedience for you. You, you guys have a, you guys, an example that I keep coming back to is, you know, I think we all have been in love at one time or another. I hope we're still in love, right? So when we're in love, suddenly we would do anything for that person, right? Is it because you are in submission? No, because when you love someone, like, oh man, I will fly across the nation just to see you. I was in love. I used to take this long distance drive just for the weekend. Leave Friday night, come back Sunday night, go back to work Monday through Friday, drive from Minnesota to Chicago for my wife, who's not here right now. Almost every week. That's crazy, right? I probably would tell myself, yo, Hugh, that's way too much. But when we're in love, we do things for other people. So, so the term obedient has a bad connotation to it, but it's because we love someone so much. Like, how can we be together? How can, I, how can I live for you to let you know of my love for you? Amen. Thank you. So when we, the Bible is read without faith, without the love of God, that's what happened to this religious leader. Without love for God. Which was the charge that Jesus made against those who were doing this, these this, uh, Jewish uh, leaders, as I said. And it's a charge that we don't ever want to hear. I hope that no one will ever have to hear that. When we read without faith or without the love of God, it's the same as not reading at all. You know, might as well don't read it. Don't read the Bible. But when we read because we want to know more of Jesus, we want to know what is there? Is there more to this than just my life? That's when we read scripture and we learn about him, learn about what he has done for us. Ignorant and unbelief usually go together. So let's change our mindset and read scripture as in trying to find out about the person who loves us so much. So essentially, Jesus said, if I may paraphrase, you have spent all your life studying about me. All your life. Throughout all history. Now, I'm standing here in front of your faces and you still would not accept me. You even have the audacity to accuse me of blasphemy, right? Have you not seen my miracles? So you read scriptures, Jesus fulfilled all the prophecy, and he performed all these incredible miracles. Incredible miracles, just briefly about Jesus' miracles, right? They, they were many. They're not few in number. They were incredible miracles that, that went against the ordinary course of nature, as in someone who's been paralyzed all their lives, and suddenly they're able to stand up and walk. It's, you cannot explain those. That's what I mean by great, incredible miracles. And, and these miracles were done in public. 
They were not done in like the privacy of somebody's home, hiding away in a little room somewhere and you would hear it from someone else. It was done in public before many people. And these miracles of Jesus is from a place of mercy. It's from a place of love. It's from a place of compassion that will help benefit someone. It's like, oh, you are not able to walk, so you have to beg. Stand up and walk. And do, um, go to work. Feed yourself. Help other people. It's from a place of compassion and mercy. And the miracles that Jesus has done is a direct appeal to our senses, if I can use that term. Because he usually would say what? Once he heals someone, he said, stop sinning. Right? We learned about that just earlier in John chapter 5. Stop sinning. Now, walk away. Stop sinning or something worse will happen to you. So briefly, those are the things that you, you see the miracles and you see the scriptures that talk about Jesus and they still would not believe in him. So scriptures spoke about him. Jesus came in the flesh and performed ridiculously awesome miracles. Can I say that? Ridiculous, ridiculously awesome miracles. And they still would not come to him for eternal life. He was addressing the uh, Jewish leaders, which we know that. However, verse 40, as I've been saying, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. It's still very applicable nowadays for many people. And the same stumbling block back then as a stumbling block now, right? Pride, selfishness, right? Self-preservation, uh, self-righteousness is still the same back then as they are now. I, uh, if I can use that term, I'm familiar with it because I grew up on my own, so you tend to rely on yourself. You tend to depend on yourself. But we know that Jesus is the only one that can bring us eternal life. And let, don't, don't let those stumbling blocks cause us from seeing that Jesus is before us. So briefly from verse 41 through 47, Jesus wanted them to know that he not only, they, that he not only accept testimonies from man, he didn't even accept their praises because he knows the love of God is not in them. Wow, that hurts, doesn't it? Speaking to these teachers of the law, without the love of God, their praises will be empty words with no meaning. So, if I can use that also as we come to praise him and honor him, do it from the place of love, understanding of who he is, and that's why we sing to him. Because otherwise, he will not even accept our testimony. Where am I? I totally lost place, track of where I am. So anyway, so Jesus went on to say, they accepted, they, they accepted human's testimony, but they couldn't accept testimony from God. They used God's name in order to give glory to one another. So they used God's name in order to give glory to one another, to themselves. So we can see from verse 46, right, right Jesus said, Moses existed, that means everything that we read in the Old Testament happened it was real. And he wrote about Jesus. Everything that happened in the Old Test Testament are true. So everything written in the Old Testament point to Jesus. Now that he is here, the word appearing in the flesh, and the very same teachers who have been teaching everyone about Jesus refuse to believe in him or come to him for eternal life. So with these last three verses, I want to briefly say that Jesus, as I said earlier, flipped the table on them. And he charged them of not even believing in Moses, whom they put their hopes in. So it's almost the same as an illustration of a history teacher, right? Would teach you about history, but he doesn't truly believe of what really happened in the past. That, isn't that ridiculous? That's what it's like. 
a history teacher teaching us about history, but doesn't really believe what really happened. So that's how he's using that term to these religious leaders. So essentially, verse 41 to 47, Jesus was saying, you care more about pleasing one another than pleasing God. You're using God's name so you can please one another and giving glory to one another. So we should take this, hopefully, as a warning. I'll take it as an encouragement. Let's give praise and glory to God because he deserves it, not to us. And this is in comparison to verse 30, right? Um, as you may recall, in John chapter 5, verse 30, Jesus said, I'm not here to please anyone. I'm not here to please not even myself, but I'm here to please the one who sent me, that's God the Father. That is some, that's an encouragement to us. That's a reminder to us. We're not here to please one another. We're here to please Jesus. So I want to bring this sermon to an end by hopefully offering just one point of encouragement from this passage. And I think it's been coming through. Hopefully it's been coming through. Read scripture with the love of God. Read scripture with the love of God. And read scripture with faith in our Savior. Read the Bible with the love of God. It will give us a greater revelation of who Jesus is. And we want, to, we, we want to always read the Bible, right, in order to learn more about Jesus and learn more about his teaching because that's our foundations. If we don't have a foundation to stand on, times will change. Uh, you know, nowadays, that's politically correct. There's so many terms out there. I don't even know what to use. I cannot speak politically correctness. But if we know the Bible, we know our foundation, we know what we stand on, and that's the same 2,000 years ago, and it's going to be the same now, and it's going to be the same 2,000 years from now. So let the word dwell within us. Ask for Jesus. Ask for the word to dwell within us. Read scripture with the love of God. It will strengthen our faith in Jesus. As we love Jesus and we read scripture, it will strengthen our faith and we'll grow in our faith in Jesus because he's the one who gives us eternal life. So let's be reminded of this truth and share this simple truth with our families and friends and most of all, I say this all the time every Sunday, and I hope you guys don't tune out. Point people to Jesus. Point people to Jesus because he will always have the answer. He will always have the solution to everything. We may have a suggestions. We may have an idea. We may have gone through similar situations and, and give some advice. But Jesus will always have the answer in all circumstances for everyone. Point people to Jesus and encourage people to come to Jesus. And it's all about Jesus. And that's what we pray about earlier this morning before worship. It's, it's about Jesus. It's not about this church. It's not about any individual. We want people to come to know Jesus because that's who we want to point people to. And especially our children, right, before we release them earlier today. Tell them about Jesus. They are our best and, and first disciples. Tell them about Jesus through how we live through what we know, through our revelation of who he is. Teach them to love God through our love of God. Teach them through our own revelations. That's how they learn. And teach them through how we live our lives, through our revelation that we have of Jesus. So anyway, I want to end by encouraging you guys to go home and read through that passage again. It's very deep. Uh, it was challenging for me. Hopefully it will be challenging for you, but at the same time it's very encouraging me to really want to get to know more of who Jesus is, not just through what I've read, but to get to know him, 
get to know him through scriptures and get to know him also through my time with him. Spend my quiet time and hearing from him directly. So um, with that, uh, let's, let's close our eyes and let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you for you, God. I just want to thank you for this morning. I just pray, Holy Spirit, you will come and give us a greater revelation of you, God. Just let this morning be a time where we have come to know more of who you are, God, that we can hear the things that you have for us, Lord. Speak to us, Lord, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Lord. We just want to say thank you for all that you have done. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you will grow our love for you, God. Allow us to, as we come to know more of who you are, our love for you will grow with each and every day. We just ask for more of that, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. We hope you were encouraged. Don't forget to connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram.